0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. You know, note-taking is a good thing. You can have these for future reference if you need some things for study and, and that sort of thing. Plus, you can get more out of it, I believe. Amen. Jot some things down. You don't have to jot everything down. So they're helpful. We don't always hold to them, but they're helpful. Right? Amen. Are we ready? You got your Bible? Let's hold them to heaven and say, Thank you, Father, for your holy written word. It's a lamp to my feet and the light to my path. Your words are life to me and health to all of my flesh. I have what your word says I have. I am what your word says I am. I can do what your word says I can do. Holy Spirit anoint my ears to hear, my heart to receive, and my mind to be open to the knowledge of the truth that makes me free. Quicken me according to the word. Change me from glory to glory. And I boldly say I will never ever be the same again. In Jesus name. Amen. 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 Praise God. It's a privilege to be able to study God's word together. Title of our message this morning is decisions, decisions, decisions. And you guessed it. It's about making decisions and choices in life. Look at Psalm 119 verse 30. What it says from the English standard version of the Bible. it's there somewhere, (laughs) I have chosen the way of faithfulness, notice the word chosen I have chosen the way of faithfulness, that's a decision that he made I set your rules before me you know the decisions that we make in this life affect us you go back to the beginning and you discover that Adam made a decision and when he made that decision his whole world was affected by it. The whole world was affected by the decision that he made to rebel against God. Yeah. And then you think about Cain made a decision to kill his brother. He, the rest of his life was affected by that. He was under a curse for the rest of his life. Moses made a decision, we are told in Hebrews, he chose rather to suffer persecution with God the people of god then enjoy all the inheritance of egypt all that he could have had there but he chose he made a decision to live for god to honor god he was used by god to lead the people out of egypt bringing them out but then 2000 years later he's transfigured on a mount of transfiguration with elijah and jesus that's pretty good company wouldn't you say so who made the right choice moses did not pharaoh moses did well, we are the sum total of our choices. We make decisions, and our decisions make us. Think about that for a moment. We make choices, we make decisions, and they make us. They kind of set the tone for our lives. They affect us for the rest of our lives. So we going to talk about principles that we could make right choices or better decisions in our lives in just a moment. But first of all, think about the many decisions that people have to make, especially young people, whether you're 10th, 11th, just graduated from high school and going off into college. You're going to make a decision. First of all, you know, should I go to college? If the answer is yes, then, well, what college should I go to? What about a career? What do I want to do? Uh, do I want to be a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, a nurse? It used to be when you were growing up five years old, six years old. I'm going to be a fireman. I want to be a policeman. Today's I'm going to be a computer analyst or a programmer. a Software, you know. Uh, and get involved in all kind of robotics and all that kind of thing. Boy, things have changed over the years, wouldn't you say? But there's a lot of choices out there, a lot of decisions to make as to what you're going to do and what you want to do with your life. But remember this, your career is what you do. It's not who you are. Who you are is a child of Almighty God. And what you choose to do with your life, that's your profession. And then what about marriage? Should I get married? If the answer is yes, then who should I marry? How many children should I have if I want to have children? Two? Four? Fifteen? Twenty? Think it through. Before you decide. And then also, what about, um, where am I going to live? Where am I going to live? Where is God going to want me to live? Should I buy a house? Should I rent a house? Am I going to be there for long enough to buy a house? Et cetera, et cetera, So there's a lot of choices and decisions that we make in life that, uh, will affect us for the rest of our lives. Now, first and foremost, I believe it's important for us to realize and recognize that as we live on this planet today, decision-making is not as easy as it was way back in the beginning. When Adam lived upon the earth, I'll tell you what, it was perfect. So we're going to make a contrast between how it was then and how it is now. And why it's so much more difficult for people to make decisions as to what they're going to do with their lives. Someone else need to copy of the notes over here? So let's go to the very beginning. Let's discover this. Adams' environment was perfect. He lived in a perfect environment. a beautiful garden, everything at his disposal. beautiful place. What about ours? Ours is imperfect. We're in a fallen society. We've got all these things pressing us. We've got evil around every corner surrounding us. We've got many distractions pulling us this way, pulling us that way, etc., etc. But Adam didn't have any of that. And then secondly, what about when it came uh, time for him to get a wife? His wife was found. His wife was formed, rather. Ours has to be found. Look at Proverbs 18, verse 22. His wife was formed. Our wife has to be found. Whoso finds a wife, finds a good thing, and obtains favor of the Lord. Ladies, you're a good thing. Right? Okay. But can you imagine this, young men? You're at the age. You decide you want to get married. So what do you do? Well, before you go to bed at night, you just say, Lord... I need a wife. He looks at you and says, go to sleep. I'll pull one out of your side. When you get up in the morning, you'll be okay. (laughs) Wouldn't that be a whole lot easier than the dating game and learning of a person's heart, et cetera, et cetera, and then going through the pain of a breakup and all that. He just pulls her right out of your side. Takes your rib, half your brain, half your everything, and here she is. She came right out of you. She's perfect. So that was easy, wouldn't you say, for Adam? But ours has to be found. And again, we're in a fallen society. Then also, uh, his purpose was clear. His purpose was clear. He was supposed to be the keeper and dresser of the garden. He was supposed to multiply, replenish the earth, his position was given to him. Number four. It was just given to him. You dress it, you keep it, be fruitful, and multiply. But you see, our purpose isn't clear. Our purpose is clouded by sin and by youth. When you're a young person and you're growing up, isn't what's the statement that's made? Too soon we grow old, too late we get wise it's clouded, how many of you would go back and make some changes in your life if you had an opportunity to relive some things over again how many of you would have not done certain things the way you did certain things you would have made changes and adjustments, you would have been able to see clearly and understand more perfectly you would see the ups and the downs and the ins and the outs and the pitfalls and all that, you can avoid all that, that's why we as parents try to pass on to our children you've heard it said I'm sure many many times I'm older than you, I've lived longer than you, I've been down that road before, I don't want you to make mistakes. But of course, they want to make their own mistakes and and all that. Their, you see, their position was given, yours has to be earned. You might have to go to school, a trade school, a college, technical school, whatever, wherever, but it's hard work, it's effort, it's applying yourself constantly. So let's remember, this is the state we're in, the position that we're in, the environment that we're in. It's imperfect, we're surrounded by evil, pulling us, tugging at us from every direction, trying to get us distracted from what's really important. And so all these things we have to understand, we've got to go through, and we've got to make right choices and decisions to see to it that we set the course of our lives for good things. Now, first and foremost, here's your first and number one most important decision. Anyone can make in life, doesn't matter how old you are, Who are you going to live for? Who are you going to live for? First and foremost, you can be what is called a self pleaser. Self pleaser, Eve. Eve was out for herself. No wonder the devil came along and enticed her, deceived her into thinking that something's better out there if you just touch the tree that God said you shouldn't touch. Because she was a self pleaser, she wanted to live for herself, she wanted to get better for herself. She ignored the voice of the Lord. And then you can also, number two, you can be a people pleaser called Adam. Adam knew what was right and wrong. He was right there with her. He knew what God said, but what did he choose to do? Please her. Please her. You can be a self pleaser. You can be a people pleaser. Or you can be a, number three, God pleaser. And who's the perfect God pleaser? Jesus. He always did things that were pleasing to the father, and he knew it, and the father knew it and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. So the first choice and first decision that we all have to make in life is, who are you living for? Are you living to be a self-pleaser, a people-pleaser, satisfying everybody else around you, or are you living to be a God-pleaser? So number one, if you want to find direction in your life, decide to be what? A God-pleaser. I want to live my life for you. That's number one. Number two, whose will are you going to follow? Whose will are you going to follow? Well, before we get into that, look at Deuteronomy chapter 30. There are some consequences to uh, making your choice or decision as to who you're going to live for. See, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil. Who's speaking here? And I realize it's Old Testament, but you know Old Testament principles still exist. Old Testament principles are for our learning as well, our instruction as well. I've set before you life and death, good and evil. In that I command thee this day to love the Lord your God and walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments. Why? That you may live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land, whether thou goest to possess it. But if in thine heart turn away, if thine heart turn away, that thou will not hear but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that you shall perish and that you shall not prolong your days upon the land whether thou goest to possess, passest over Jordan to possess it I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death blessing and cursing, therefore choose Life, choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live. It affects you and your children, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is your life, and the length of your days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, to Jacob, to give them. So there are consequences when it comes to making choices. And he's saying here, if you choose to let me be the one that you're going to live for, then you're going to be blessed. Not that you're not going to be challenged along the way, but you are going to be blessed. Would you rather live under a blessing or would you rather live under a curse? And not only will you be blessed, but your children will be blessed as a result of your serving the Lord and living for him. So there are consequences to the choices and decisions that we make in this life. And God is saying, if you choose to live for me, man, you're in good company. You're going to be blessed beyond measure. Now, as far as whose will are we going to follow? Before we even get into it, look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 17. This is in the J.B. Phillips. I wrote it out there for you so you can take it with you because you not everybody has all these translations. But you can take it, listen to it over and over again. Number one, if we're going to have direction from God, we have to live for Him. Number two... If we want direction from God. We've got to choose to do His will and follow it. The world and all its passionate desires. Are there passionate desires in this world? They're around every corner, are they not? Will one day disappear. Why is it we think this is going to be forever? It's not. Everything that we see in this realm of life is going to disappear one day. But the man who is following God's will... Is part of the permanent and cannot die. Isn't that wonderful? Make yourself a part of the permanent by doing what? Choosing to do God's will. Yes, there's a lot that this world has to offer. But remember, Moses chose not to do what? Enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Because he knew that life goes beyond the now, he knew it goes beyond this sphere. This is but temporal, but we're eternal beings that will live on forever. And so when a person makes a decision or a choice to do the will of God and live for him, he is positioning himself to receive direction for his life. God will lead and guide him according to his purpose and according to his will. Look at some scriptures. First of all, uh, number one, Matthew chapter 7 verse 21 These are pertaining to the will of God. This is Jesus speaking. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that chooses to live for himself or be a people pleaser. He who chooses to do his own will or the will of other people. No. But he that knows the will of my Father. You probably had a donut this morning because you're all wide awake. (laughs) Right? But he that what? Doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Now, you see, that can be kind of blind to us unless we understand this. Back in Roman days, when this statement was made, back in the days of the Romans, they called Caesar Lord. And why did they call him Lord? Because he had the power of life and death over them and so they obeyed his every command they obeyed every decree they did what they were supposed to do because he held the power of life and death over them and jesus said why call ye me lord and do not what i say so in other words if i call him lord i'm saying i'm choosing to live my life for you and i'm choosing to do your will I want to do your will in my life. Look at Matthew chapter 12 and verse 50. Here we have another statement from Jesus. Or whosoever shall do the will of my Father, which is in heaven, the same is my brother, my sister, and my mother. Do we want to be a part of the family of God? For whosoever shall do the will, of my Father, which is in heaven. Notice, a doer of the will of God is the one who he considers family. And so, if he's Lord of our lives, we'll obey and do his will, because he holds the power of life and death over us, doesn't he? And if we want to be a part of his royal family, we will be a doer of his will in our lives. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, Peter kind of said it this way, We've been delivered from the power of sin to do the will of God. For as much then as, you, as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself. This is our ammunition. Arm yourself likewise with the same what? Mind or the same way of thinking. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Your flesh will always want to take you down the wrong path. But your spirit on the inside will always lead you down the right path. And you might have to suffer, keep that flesh under for a while. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. And this is the will of God. Even our sanctification, we are told. It is the will of God that we be filled with the Holy Ghost and power. In Ephesians, Paul the apostle said it this way. Don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Be not drunk with wine where it's in excess, but be filled with the Holy Ghost. So in other words, there is a revelation of the will of God provided for us in Scripture that we can follow. And anyone that follows the will of God is considered someone who submits to the Lordship of Jesus, someone who's a part of his royal family, and someone who has the right mindset that says, okay, I've been born again, washed in the blood, I'm serving God, and I am going to do what he said to do. Remember in Matthew seven, twenty-four through 27, and Luke 6, uh, 46 through 48, when Jesus talked about a wise man will do what? He will build his life upon the foundational principles of my word. When the storms of life come, they will be devastated by the storms of life. But they're going to rise up and overcome. But the one who doesn't do the, the word of God or the will of God, when the storm comes, they're going to be devastated by the storms. Because we're no match for the storms of life apart from God. But with God, we succeed. Okay, so first is your decision to do what? Live your life for him. Second is to find and fulfill what? His will for your life. Not my will be done, but thine will be done, is what Jesus even said. I remember when I took off to go down to Tulsa, Oklahoma, way back in 1978. That was far from my will. I'm a home person. I don't know about you, but I'm a homebody. Who wants to go to a land of rattlesnakes and and tornadoes? Anybody here? I didn't. I had family pulling at me saying, you don't need to go. I had even other believers saying to me, you don't need to go. When I came to the church in downtown Midland, there were 35 individuals in the church. That's parents, children, a few mice, the whole, that's everybody. When I was on this, at the same time in Youngstown, where I came from, where I grew up, I had 35 people in a Bible study every Saturday night. And they were pulling and tugging at me saying, just stay here. There's 35 of us here. Start a church here. I said, I can't do that. I've got to go to Tulsa. You know, to get to Tulsa from Youngstown is like an 18-hour trip, give or t- depending on how fast you drive. So, to go all the way there to come to Midland, isn't that crazy to go all that way? Why not just come from Youngstown to Midland? That's a lot closer, right? It's only a 45 minute drive, 50 minute drive at the most. Because God had a plan. He had to train me. First of all, He had to see my willingness and obedience to step out beyond my comfort zone and say, I'm going to do the will of God. So, for me to go to Tulsa was a tremendous sacrifice. I had to give up everything that was my comfort zone, including a job, insurances, et cetera, et cetera. But you know what? I was so committed. I want what you want, God, for my life. I'm living for you. I want your will for my life. And it doesn't come, the whole picture isn't painted. Immediately, it's like putting together a puzzle that's got a lot of pieces to it. You take one step at a time, and it becomes clearer and clearer one step at a time. Okay, now, next Principles for making right decisions. And these are so important because, first of all, you've got to have the foundational blocks in place. And the foundational blocks are what? Live your life for God, number one. Two, follow His will for your life. See to it that you let Him know, I want what you want. Not my will, but your will be done. Now, thirdly, learn these principles that will help no matter who you are. Doesn't matter what phase you are in life. They'll work for anybody. Learn these principles, and they'll help us better understand the will of God. Like I said, there are many voices out there in the world pulling us in different directions, and we want what God wants. Amen. OK, number one. First of all and foremost, know, we need to know this. God is at work in us for what purpose? To reveal His will to us. Look at Philippians chapter two and verse 13. God is at work in us. Now, the previous verse to this in verse 12, he talks about work out your own salvation. Say this with me. I am to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling. Did you get that? It's my salvation. It's my life. I'm to work it out with what? Fear and trembling, which means reverence. Unto the most high God, realizing and recognizing I'm an eternal spirit being. And where I spend my eternity is going to be determined by him. I have to make choices that will honor him. Okay. Then this verse says, he goes on to say, For it is God which is working in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. A better rendering of that would be that God is living on the inside of you for what reason? To open up our eyes and our understanding to know what his will is for our lives. He wants to birth within us those things that represent his will for our lives. So that we can live our lives to please him. We live for his good pleasure. Not for our good pleasure. Can you see that? So that's number one. Number two. After that delight in doing God's general will look at Psalm 40 in verse 8 delight in doing God's general will I delight to do thy will O my God yea thy law is within my heart how do we prove to him that we want to know his will and his ways by getting into the word and finding out what his general revealed will is and start doing it start doing it you see when I first got saved that's exactly what I did I'm reading my Bible, studying my Bible, getting up, study books, I'm learning about the things of God. You have to understand, before I got saved, I never opened up a Bible. I was told not to open up a Bible. I was told I couldn't understand the Bible, but once I got saved, what a different, different attitude I possessed. I opened up my Bible, I began reading my Bible, I started seeing some things. Yes, you're learning these things, but yet you don't know a lot, but you're still learning some things. But you continue progressing, progressively learning some things. A lot of Paul line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. I picked up all these books to learn about faith and how it works, about the Holy Spirit and what to expect about the Holy Spirit. But then also there was within me, birth within me, I never had a desire to sit in church when I was younger and growing up. It was the most boring thing in the world, at least that was my world of church. Okay, I mean to tell you, it was like a 45, 50-minute service was like forever. You get in the picture. I had no desire whatsoever. My friend and I, oh, Joe, my neighbor, geez, what a rascal! <laughs> what a rascal! We'd sit there sometimes. He he'd get to laughing. You know, why is it when you get the giggles in church, you just can't stop giggling? (laughs) Young teenage boy, we're giggling. You know, my mother got the pinch with the twist. The pinch with the twist. Not just the pinch. The pinch would have been bad enough. But the pinch with the twist. So you knew if you just, if you did it the first time, you got a pinch. If you did it the second time, you got the pinch with the twist. And oh, did that hurt. Well, I got the pinch the first time. Now, you have to understand this. And this is... Just just take it for what it's worth. So we're trying to be good. And we're sitting there in church. The fella in front of us, he's, you know, mostly bald. He's only got around here, hair around there. And he's bald on top. And a fly lands on top here. And it starts going around the circle back and forth. That's all he needed to see. I'm like, are you kidding me? He starts losing it, laughing hysterically. I join in with him. I got the pinch with the twist. Oh, did that hurt. Wow. And then when I got a little bit, even, even a little bit older, going to church was just such a, wow, man. Didn't get a whole lot out of it. When I got born again, when I accepted Christ as my Savior, when He came into my heart you could not keep me away from the church you could not keep me out of this Bible I got a hold of the word of God I began to go to church if I had to go to work I brought my clothes with me to church and I would stay as long as I possibly could and then I would just go ahead and change the bathroom somewhere I would go off to work whether it's a Wednesday night, actually the church was a Thursday night service. If I had to work the night shift, I went to church before that. You couldn't keep me out of church. I love church. I couldn't get enough. I'm telling you, when you're born again, you know that you know that you know there's something inside you. God's at work in you. Amen. The general revealed will of God is what? You're a baby. Study the word. It's like milk to you. Then get to the point. Progress to the meat of the word. Start learning. Jesus said, continue in my word. You're my disciple. Indeed, you know the truth and the truth will make you free. Stay in the word. Study the word. Pray. Go to church. Be a witness. That's the general revealed will of God for every born again child of God. Get filled with the Holy Ghost and power. Be a witness. Lay hands on the sick so that they can recover. Do you see that? That's the general revealed will of God. So start doing it. And that's what I was doing. Number three. See, after that, then it's important to know it's our responsibility to wholeheartedly start pursuing the specific will of God for our lives. Seek it with your whole heart. God, I know you have something more for me to do. So now that I'm involved in learning your word. I'm involved in the general revealed will, which is, as I said, study the Bible, pray, go to church, witness, etc., etc. Now, I'm open to the specific. If there's something more that you want me to do with my life, I'm open to it. Look at Jeremiah 29, verse 11-13. through For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. And now before you go off and say, this is for Israel, I know that, but it's a principle. Thoughts of peace and not evil. You think God's thinking evil for us? No. To give you an expected end. To give you a future and to give you a hope. One's translation says. This is God's thinking of you. This is God's thinking of me. I know the thoughts I have towards you. These are thoughts of good things for you. Not evil things. To give you a future, to give you a hope. And that includes the life that you live on the earth, and that includes when you leave this realm and go to be with him in glory. God has a great plan for all of our lives. But then look, notice this. Then shall you call upon me and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken to you, and you shall seek me, and you shall find me when you search for me half-heartedly. With all your heart. So that means we're taking time, you know, to do what, maybe just to go for a walk and let them know, Father, I love you. I love Jesus. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost and your power. And I just thank you so much for what you've done to me and saved me by your grace. But also, I'm going to church. I'm participating in helping other people succeed. Uh, I'm taking my gift to give it to the church so that I can be a part of a local body of believers. I'm giving to support your work upon the earth. This is all general. And now, Lord, if you have something more specific for me, then go ahead, just let it rise up in me. Just take a few moments to walk somewhere, get alone in a closet somewhere, sit in the car maybe when you're driving. Turn off that radio for a while and just say, I'm open to it. That's all you need to do. And I'm open, but do it on a daily basis. I'm open to it. It's the things that we do daily that emerge and surface. And number four, number four, learn what God's word teaches about finding direction and guidance. When it comes to direction And guidance. In the book of Psalms 37 verse 23. Notice what it says. The steps of a good man. Are ordered by the Lord. And he delighteth in his way. So. Walk around. Driving your car. I know that you have ordered my steps. I know that it's all laid out before you. You see the beginning and the end. You know every step of the way. See what we want is. The whole picture. What he says, one step at a time. When I left Youngstown to go down to Tulsa, that was the step I had to take. When I get to Tulsa at school, all of a sudden, all these students are saying, what are you going to do when you graduate? Where where are you going to go? What's God want you to be? Calm down. Calm down. I'm in the perfect will of God by just being here. Perfect will of God, just being right here. Okay? When the time comes, God will show me. They're all just getting so nervous and and all that. Man, relieve the pressure. Don't be like that. When the time comes that you need it, He's going to give it to you. So I just stayed studying the Word, stayed going through school, and when the time came, guess what? It surfaced. It came exactly to my heart. Go back home. Go back to Youngstown. Never forget this. Success being at the right place at the right time with the right heart, doing the right thing. At the right place with the right heart. That's what it is. That's success. And the timing is important. I came back from school. I wanted to stay there and go for another year. But the Lord said, no, go back. Go back. So I go back to Youngstown. I come back to Youngstown, the pastor of the church, I only attended that church once or twice, he said, would you help me out with my youth? I'd be glad to help you out with your youth. Oh, I felt so bad for that person. It was really a youth one. <laughs> I unleashed on him nine months of intense study from the Word of God in one meeting. You know I can do it. I was going 100 miles an hour. He just had to look at me like, <laughs> you know how faith works. Let me tell you how faith works. You got to believe in your heart. You say what your is going to come to the pastor and have whatever you say. Whatever you're asking in prayer, believing, you shall receive. Faith is something you hope for, everything's not seen. I'm going rattling off all these scriptures. He's dizzy. <laughs> but I had to have some outlet. I, I was just fed three, four hours a day for nine months and just kept going in and in and in. And he was my outlet. I still feel bad for him. Well, then the pastor calls me to his office. He says, will you consider going down to Midland? We've got a church down there, a sister church down there. Would you consider going down there and Holding a meeting because they don't have a pastor right now at this time. I said, well, sure, I'd be glad to do that. Then he said, well, would you consider candidating to be their pastor? I said, nope. (laughs) I know I'm only saved three years. I'm wet behind the ears. I don't know anything about pastoring a Pentecostal church or anything of that nature. Forget it. No way. God would have to speak to me in an audible voice like he did in the burning bush to Moses for that to happen. That's what I said to him. And I laughed and he laughed and we both went our ways. And then I'm driving down Route 11, minding my own business. when all of a sudden, a voice, louder than what I'm speaking to you right now, says, you will be the next pastor of that church. I looked in the back seat. I looked in an old car. Did you hear that? Hear what? You didn't hear that voice that says, you'll be the next pastor of that church? Nope. Is that something God can speak to you loud and clear, and people around you didn't even hear a word? So I come down to Midland, go to the church, preach my message on love. Tony Carrado was the board, uh, chair, chairman of the board at that time. Walks over to me and says, "Would you consider candidating to be our pastor?" I wanted to say, if you had asked me this about three hours ago, I'd have said absolutely not. I said very sheepishly. Yes, I will. God knows us better than we know ourselves. Amen? But why did that come at that time? When it's needed, it'll come. So don't worry. Don't get so frustrated. When the time comes that you need it, it'll be there. If what? You're living for Him. You're, seeking, you're doing His will. And you're seeking His specifics for your life. Amen? And you see, now you're positioned to receive. Okay. Next, look. At, well, first of all, look at Proverbs 16, because the, this scripture from the Amplified Bible, it, in my opinion, is so good with regard to guidance. Roll your works upon the Lord, commit and trust them wholly to Him. He will cause your what? Your what? To become agreeable to His will, and so shall your plans be established and succeed. Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? Beautiful. Next. Acknowledge Him in all your ways. Look at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Let Him know, I'm acknowledging you, Father, in direction. I'm going to go to college. I need to know your mind. This is my way. I'm acknowledging you so you can direct my path. What is it that you have for me in life? You've got a blueprint. I know that it's already laid out before you. You see the beginning and the end. You know it all. So I'm positioned right now to know what it is that you'd have me to do. You says you'll cause my thoughts to become agreeable to your will, that my plans are established and to succeed. So I'm going acknowledge you in all my ways, in this situation, in this decision, in where I'm going to go to school, and who I'm going to marry. How many of you know that God has direction as, to far, as, as far as who you're going to marry? He really does. He really does. And I guarantee you that uh, it's not going to be someone that's already married. (laughs) Just to let you know that right off the bat. That's another reason why you study the Word. And then commit and trust. Commit and trust. Commit thy way to the Lord. Look at Psalm 37 verse 5. Commit thy way to the Lord and trust also in Him. And he shall bring it to pass. There's three things there. Commit. I commit this situation to you. I commit this decision as far as going to school to you. As as far as what a career uh, might be for me. I commit it to you. I want your will. You know what I should do. You know what's best for me that fits in your program. See, the whole point is this. We don't want God to get involved in our program or plan. We want to get involved in God's program. And we want to know what his program is for our lives and we'll follow through with that. I would have never dreamt in a million years that I would be the pastor of a church, never would have chosen that for myself. But if you commit your way to the Lord and trust in him, he'll bring it to pass whatever his desire is for your life. And then next, after you commit and trust, it's important to understand our need to learn how to live by faith. Now, James teaches us this. James chapter one verses five through seven. If any of you lack wisdom, and why would we lack wisdom? Because we're living what? In a fallen world. And we're living in a society that's pulling us in every kind of direction you can think of. We're in a fallen state. Okay. If you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. So I'm asking you, Lord, direct my steps. Order my steps. Show me what you uh, want me to do with my life. That gives to all men how liberally and upbraids not. He won't find fault with you for asking him. And it shall be given him. But now notice the next part of the verse. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. He that wavers is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. For a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So in other words, if I'm going to ask for direction, I'm supposed to believe I receive direction. And if I believe I receive direction, I'll have direction. But I've got to commit it to him and let him deal with it. Let him handle it, not me. Now, look at these two verses in Matthew 21, 22. These are faith verses. All things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing. believing, Wouldn't it be beautiful if he left out that word believing? All things whatever you ask in prayer, you shall receive. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Well, I'm asking. But no, he says believing. You're going to receive what you believe. Look at Mark 11:24 because there's what we're supposed to believe. Therefore, I say to you, what things ever you desire, desire. when you pray, believe what now? Believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. So, Father, I want direction. I believe I receive direction. I believe I have direction. I thank you for direction. Well, what's your direction? Well, maybe it hasn't materialize in a natural world yet, but you're saying daily, I thank you dear Father God, I believe I receive direction to my spirit, illumination to my mind, I believe that you're ordering my steps, you're showing me the path of life, the way you want me to go, where you want me to walk, how you want me to serve, where you want me to live, where you want me to go to church, who you want me to marry, what school you want me to go to, what profession you want me to have, etc., etc. I believe I receive that direction, and I believe you're at work in me right now, and I believe you're showing me, because I delight myself in you and in your ways, And so, stop worrying. Be careful for nothing. Don't worry. Have anxiety about what your next step is. Just start thanking the Lord for enlightening you and showing you that next step. And you believe you received it by faith. And therefore, you have it. Act like it's true. Concluding thoughts. It's also important to consider the mistakes that other people made. Don't kill your brother. You want to live under a curse for the rest of your life? Then don't kill your brother or your sister like Cain did. Isn't that what Cain did? Don't follow that example. You want to be blessed for the rest of your life? Don't follow David and commit adultery. Don't commit adultery. He was a man after God's own heart. The Bible says because he, what? Did the will of God. But then he stepped out from the will of God. And what did he do? He committed sin, adultery with Bathsheba. And then he committed murder, killed her husband, then cover-up, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. As a result, what happened for him to him for the rest of his life? It was horrible for the rest of his life. Because he chose to walk out away from God. So don't do that. Don't follow that. But Joseph, Joseph, when Potiphar's wife grabbed a hold of him and says, Come and lie with me, the Bible said he got out his Nikes, <laughs> put him on his feet, and he got himself out. He took off like a flash. And what happened to Joseph? We know what happened to Joseph. He went from the pit to the prison to the palace. And God used him to save his family. Amen. God had a better plan than just the pleasure of sin for his life. So learn from the stakes of others. Don't do what they do when you see them making these kind of mistakes in the Bible. Okay. So it's important to know that. But then also surround yourself with Others that will provide for you godly wisdom. In the multitude of counselors, there's much wisdom. Get wisdom from people that have been down the path before. Listen to your father and your mother. Listen to what they have to say. I understand there's a generation gap. We know that. But still, they've got a lot of good, sound counsel and advice for you. And let me tell you something right now. There is nobody in your corner like your mom and your dad. No one. Oh, they may say it, but there's no one that has your back. No one that cares about you as deeply and as, as committed to you like your mom and your dad. They love you with a love that is so deep, it's unexplainable, inexpressible. But they have you here in their heart, and they're going to give you sound counsel and sound advice. Amen? And then also, if you'll do that, then listen to the witness of your spirit. Romans 8.14. Listen to the witness of your spirit. On the inside of you right here. See, what's going to happen is, doing all this, it's going to emerge from right here. That's how I knew I was to go, right here. Right in my gut. And I wish I had time to really share with you some of the stories. Because for me to go back from Tulsa, we have to understand something. I just moved all my stuff. You know, we can't live without stuff. Who can live without stuff? Anybody here got stuff? You got stuff? I'm sure you got some stuff. And you brought some stuff with you today. And you left some stuff home, right? We all have stuff. All that stuff, I moved some of the stuff here or down to Tulsa, and the rest of the stuff was somewhere in Youngstown, you know, in a storage unit. It was crazy to move all that stuff. A big old organ. Big old organ. I should. I, I would have never take that organ. But if if you heard my story, then you know the organ was like a savings for us. Bought this organ. God said, "Take it." I, I'm downsizing, and you're telling me to upsize? I'm downsizing. I'm trying to get rid of stuff, and you say buy this big old, big old organ, big organ. We didn't play the organ. The organ paid for the baby's birth. Long story short, paid for the baby's birth. We sold it the moment. We ready to come back here? He said, now sell it and pay for the hospital bill. God's smarter than we are. That money would have been gone. So all that stuff, you see, we're surrounded by all this stuff. God knows what to do with the stuff better than we do. He wants to lead us, direct us, and guide us in the inward witness right here. And I went by that. I took that down there because of this witness. You want me to take that down there? Yeah. And God doesn't always explain everything to a T, like you'd want to know. He doesn't lay it all out for you. But I'm telling you what, when it, when it came to pass that it paid off the bill, I was like, yeah, that's a pretty good idea. As if God wouldn't know any better. Well, look, your parents know, young people, your parents know some things that you don't know. They've been down some paths and rows that you don't know. They know the pit holes. You know, they know the uh, pitfalls and, 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 and all that, the potholes of life, the pitfalls, and et cetera. Listen to their counsel and surround yourself with others that have gone down the same road and take their advice. And then ultimately, listen here. What are you saying to me, Lord? That witness will get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger inside you. Where I went to school, Brother Hagen, he said that witness is like this. If If you have a feeling in your gut like you're washing your feet with your socks on, that's not from God. Try that. Try washing your feet with your socks on. Weird feeling. Weird. That means, that's a red light. Don't do it. Down here. But he said, but if you... Dare I say this? Do you remember what a payphone is? (laughs) Anybody here remember what a payphone is? Okay, you're in my boat. Did you ever use a pay phone you put the dime in? <laughs> okay. And when it went in, it went halfway down and you, it went clump and stopped and went. So you went bang, bang, crp, and it went all the way down. That's the right witness of the Spirit. That's the right witness with this, of the Spirit right there. When it goes all the way down to here and you go, yep, that's it. That's it. How do you know? I just know that I know. Come on up here. I just know that i know i know that i know it's in it right in my spirit this is what god wants me to do and then you'll be challenged along the way but you know what greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world let's all stand together before the lord hi pastor bill here i want to thank you for joining us today on behalf of my wife krista and krista selby church i want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family whether you have young children or kids in elementary school if you're a teenager or a young adult. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world, through a ministry of excellence, to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.